Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Strive Golf Podcast. Devin here. Sean, how's it going? Not bad, man. We actually actually got a little bit of warm weather this week. I, I putted outside for Whoa. for two days. Real turn. That yeah, was yeah, it was a, a nice change. And then don't worry. By the weekend, we were back to we had we had lightning, we had hail, and we had snow all in about a 12-hour period uh, yesterday. So all of the elements. Winter, winter is back. It's back. <laughs> ah, tough. We kind of had a similar, you know, I got some taste of, of the, the cold weather this weekend. Uh, you know, it's kind of crazy because uh, Wednesday and Thursday, amazing. I, I played golf with some buddies that came down from Salt Lake, played on Thursday. We were seriously like sweating. Like it was basically 80 degrees. Amazing. And then by Friday, it, you know, it dropped, it dipped almost like 20 degrees. And then Saturday, Saturday was so bad. It was the first Saturday I didn't play golf <laughs> in a long time. I know that's, that's almost, it's derogatory to say such a thing, but uh, in that manner, but it was, it was shocking. And even my wife was like, kind of looking around, she said, this is, this, the Saturday feels like a, a Sunday this is weird. It's kind of nice to have you around on a Saturday. So I just don't get be, used to it, but uh, you know. that was going to be my question is like, what, she, she get a little confused. Like, yeah. oh. She's just, not just enough room in this house on not enough room in the house on saturday you're supposed, <laughs> you're you're supposed to be gone yeah. <laughs> so that was uh that was shocking but yeah it was it was nasty it was cold and windy and got a little bit of rain so i can uh kind of empathize just just a little bit but and it was unfortunate too because on friday coming off of a, a nice little heater but uh we were on so victor and i were playing our you know our daily or at least a few times a week match and we're on hole like 14. I was three down, feeling pretty good. And then got a, got one of those, those calls from, from the wife that I needed to, to pack up and, and leave. So it's uh, like a little bit of like this empty feeling, but also it felt pretty good because it was pretty windy and, and to leave on that note. And I was, I was going to, I was about to go through Amen Corner at, at Bloomington. So it was probably for the better. I could just pick up from the middle of the fairway and go home. So yeah, uh, all you need terrible. to tell all you have to do is tell people, yeah, it was three under. That's it. Leave it at that. Leave it at that. And then for those that know Amen Corner, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't going <laughs> to stay three under, but uh, anyway, oh. so feeling good, but excited. But uh, it actually kind of got me thinking because, you know, being here in St. George, super blessed to be able to play, you know, pretty much daily, got great weather, but this was kind of a, a little bit of a, a break. And I personally kind of feel like these breaks are, are good. You know, little habits seem to, kind of creep up and uh you know these 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 breaks are are good but again i i'm treading lightly here because i know that's uh for you it's a you're at the whole different side of the spectrum but uh, i was curious i wanted to kind of talk to you a little bit about um you know kind of the like practice sessions and being intentional about practicing both in you know the current state like kind of in the winter with cold weather but then also you know you're an absolute range rat in the summer and I, I admire, I'm jealous because I'm just, I'm just, <laughs> I'm not that way. And we can kind of get into, you know, you know, my personal things with, as far as practicing goes, but I feel like you have a lot of insight and a lot of uh, kind of some, some good advice for, for practicing. And I know, you know, the proof's in the pudding, man, you, you love to practice those wedges and just those, you're an absolute, you know, gamer with the wedges. So Anyway, you know, would you, you kind of want to like talk about that a little bit? Would you be down to share just kind of your thoughts on, on practice and, and kind of your routine and things that you've learned and what, you, like how you practice, why you practice, like any thoughts there, man? I, I mean, as you're talking about it, all I'm hearing in my head is Alan Iverson, his, his press conference, right. talking <laughs> about practice, not a game, practice. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, no, I just high level. I would say that my game is very much reliant upon reps, getting a lot of repetition up. So I feel like I just need to have a lot of swings uh, to feel comfortable, really. Mm. And so I would say that when I was playing my best, it was probably uh, probably two summers ago, uh, your last summer up here, just maybe two summers ago and three summers ago, just when we were playing kind of together just about every day yeah. in the summer. And I'd say that's when my game was at, at the best it, it's ever been. And it was because I was just, I was getting swings in on the course. Um, and so to me, it kind of first off, that's why, that's sort of the why behind my practice is like, I know my game needs swings. Um, but as we had like the last year and a half or so, uh, things have changed a little bit just with my availability time-wise, whether you know, we just, we had our first baby and then also getting in a spot where I, I haven't been as flexible at work. And so really my golf has shifted to where now it's, I'm trying to, to get to the range in the evenings in the summer, maybe play a couple holes um, or kind of resort more to practicing just in my house because uh, I've got a net in my garage and then I've set up a little kind of short game area in my basement. I've got a, a little green that I can roll putts on. Um, but I'd say like, as I guess focus I am on the practice aspect, I would say that my game was was much better when I was practicing on the course, right? Cause when we were playing, mm -hmm. when I was playing every day, I found that I wasn't having to go to the range just cause I was getting my swings in on the course. And it was, it was just better practice. Now you can't really, you can't simulate a lot of what you need to on the range. Um, cause it's just, when you're playing a round of golf, there's very, it's not a lot of like flat lie stock yardage numbers where it's just like you make just a normal stock swing time and time again, right? There's always some kind of modification on the course. And so that, that's been kind of the first thing I've noticed. Um, but kind of your next point about the practice is like, as my, my time and my availability has shifted, I'm trying to be better with my driving range practice per se. Cause that's what, Last year, I really, I had a really hard time because I wasn't playing as much and I was trying to, to get sort of my golf fix and my golf practice in all on the range. And I, I have to say that, that that range practice really didn't do me a whole lot of good, I felt like, on the course. And that's just because I was not practicing great. It'd be one of those where it's like, I find myself hitting shots, say I'm hitting an eight iron or something. So I hit an eight iron and I miss hit it. I hurry and get another ball swing again, say I miss hit it again, do it again. And so pretty soon I find myself like speeding up a little bit and you can kind of feel, I don't want to call it like adrenaline, but like I can consciously like feel myself swinging harder mm -hmm. to the point where it's like, I would never go after an eight iron this hard on the golf course. But that just, that's what was happening to me on the driving range. Like I feel that kind of thing happen to me with different clubs, irons, drivers, wedges, whatever. It's like, if I miss hit one or two in a row, like I find myself grabbing another ball faster and faster and getting into swings. So it's to the point where it's like, 
you know, I would never do this on the course. Like my muscles would never be like, you don't make three 100% swings in a 20 second You're not period. breaking a sweat. <laughs> yeah. And so this, honestly, like, that's what I would say a lot of my range sessions became last year. And so it got to the point where it's like coming into this winter, it's like, okay, if I'm going to practice golf, I, I can't get into that again because that they get that gets to a point where I feel like it's only hurting my game. Yeah. And yeah. I know, and I know this is probably rings true for you a little bit. Cause I know we've talked a lot about the driving range together because it, you, you're someone that's not typically going to bang a lot of balls on a range. Like if you, if you no. hit balls before a round of golf, it's like a couple wedges. It's yeah. really just to like, make sure your glove still fits and you got all the clubs in the bag pretty much is how I describe your range session. But <laughs> Spot on. Um, and so, yeah, I just like this winter, I've been trying to, to make it more meaningful, trying to simulate rounds sounds corny. Cause obviously I can't do it hitting in a garage. Um, right. I can't simulate playing holes, but just the idea of like, if I make a swing instead of hurrying right into another ball, like trying to take a little more time. So the way I'm thinking about it is like, if I make a swing, I try to sit there and like in my mind think like how long is the ball in the air because mm-hmm. like really when I'm just hitting into a net like ball hits the net in like a millisecond right and so I could like have another swing going like right away but like in real in reality like on the court like the ball spends quite a bit of time in the air before it comes to rest I'm like trying to do little things like that to to kind of force myself to think and to slow down and to try to better kind of emulate what I feel on the course and a lot of that's like okay I'll make a swing with one club I'll kind of regroup grab another club and make a swing so try to get out of the just routine of just hitting ball after ball after ball with the same Mm -hmm. club Um, and then just trying to set myself kind of goals with each practice session so it's not something where it's just like I'm sitting there smacking golf balls for an hour I have a thing where it's like if I hit three good shots in a row like off the center of the face and it feels good then that's that's kind of like my checkpoint for the evening so there have been some days where after I warm up I have hit a couple swings and then three really good ones in a row and it's like oh I feel really good I call it a night right like the biggest thing is I just want to I want to come out of the practice session feeling good because I feel like too many times last year on the range I'd leave a practice session after an hour and I would feel almost worse about the game. It was kind of at the point where it's like, I'm trying to sort of internalize, Hey, I know, I know how to play. I know how to swing. So I just want to make sure every time that I pick up a club and then I'm leaving for the day, I feel better about the game. And then trying to sort of do the same thing putting each night where I've got, it's like a, probably like a 10 foot long green and the holes are six to seven feet apart from each other. So my goal is I just have to make five putts in either direction. One of them, one of the sides kind of has a little right to left break and the other one has a little left to right break. And so the goal is I just have to make five going both ways um, to call it a night. And there's some nights where I make five out of six, both sides and I'm, I'm done after a couple minutes and then other nights it takes longer, but, it's kind of still, still the same idea. Have to have to finish on a make. Have to kind of walk off, feeling like 
I accomplished something with that practice session. I'm hoping that will lead to, to better results on the course where it's trying to maybe get a little less mechanical than I have been in the past. Um, so we'll see. I, I, I do feel like this winter has, has gone a little better than last winter. I, I still, I'll still find myself getting frustrated and racing through golf balls, but just trying to really slow myself down and um, just try to make it worthwhile. Cause like you said, I, if you're going to take the time to practice, like how do you make it worthwhile as opposed to just going through the motions? Yeah. Wow. Uh, lots to unpack there. <laughs> I appreciate you sharing that. And this was, you know, completely unplanned and unscripted and, so a lot of good stuff there. And I think a lot of things that, you know, I can relate to and a lot of other players can relate to because you're right. Like time is so valuable. You know, we're trying to keep a little human alive and balance a job and a mortgage and all that stuff. So it's like, how do we maximize that time? And it, you know, that can also add some unnecessary pressure to, you know, to practice sessions or to, you know, just playing. So a lot of, yeah, just a lot there. Um, and my mind went a couple of different ways as you were, you were speaking. But I do think there is something super valuable about what you said. Uh, again, I can relate to a ton of that and kind of have my own personal experience with that. But just repeatability with golf, I think, is crazy underrated, or at least in my mind, because that's something that's not something I really talked about much or really wasn't taught too much or anything like that. Never really had formal lessons, but I do think that that's super underrated—the ability to just repeat swings um and like you said like getting those those reps up and trying to yeah as best we can simulate the experience of you know being on the golf course as opposed to being on the range or hitting into a net i know that's difficult but i think that that's something that's really important that's something that i've tried to do um even if it feels like i'm trying to if i'm fighting something because i'm kind of opposite to you as we know like i'm just much more of like a field player like what i got that day and i'm just if i'm hitting you know these gross slappy 80 yard cuts with a gap wedge, then I just, I just got to play it. And I'm, even though I, I, it's embarrassing for me, especially when we're playing and I have two more, you know, clubbed up wedges than you do, but it's just like, you know, that's just what feels good. That's what feels good. Um, but so anyway, like super, super valuable there. So like, I guess like from what you've learned, like this, this last year, I guess like what advice, are you taking, you've kind of touched on this, but like what advice are you taking or would you give to others that are in similar positions as us? Like golf isn't their main thing. It's a, it's a important hobby. Like if, if they were to come to you and ask for your advice on really trying to maximize practice time, like what are some like one or two things that you would say um, to, to do or, or key takeaways that you've learned? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just a, listening to you ask the question, I'm trying to figure out how I want to answer it. And I, I don't want to come across sounding like a self-help book, but we love self. This is gonna it's gonna sound cliche, but just identify the feelings, right? Because feelings in the swing will translate from the driving range to the course. Yeah. I think I know I've been guilty of it. I get some people get so caught up in the mechanics where they're like, okay, where where's my club? I might take away, where is it at the top? Where is it coming down? But look at all these different things. Um, but I, I would say this winter, I'm trying to like more identify like, okay, what, what does, what does a swing feel like? Cause to me, that's something that will be able to hold up more on a golf course, especially in a tournament setting. Cause that's, I mean, 
I should have led with it, but really my, my main goal right now is I just, I want to qualify for Utah state am golf tournament. That's kind of what I'm pushing for with my golf game. And so I want to find something that I can kind of latch onto in a tournament setting, right? When you get a little tight, you're not going to be able to stop and have someone record your swing. So you can see like where, what positions you're at. I just want to have more of a feel base. And that's why it's something I, I am so jealous of uh, playing with you is like, you're super good at the feel aspect of the game. So that's my main thing I'm working on right now is like, okay, what, what am I kind of, what's the feel sort of pre-shot? Like, am I comfortable? Am I loose? Do I have a good, good base, good balance in the swing? And just little things like that, right? Is like, do I feel balanced? Do I feel like I'm swinging under control? And do I feel like I'm really getting through the ball kind of thing? And then really paying attention, just the feeling in the hands as I'm hitting the ball, right? I'm trying to get really good at identifying where the contact was on the club based on how it feels in the hand. Um, and just trying to really internalize, like, what does it feel like to hit it off the center of the club? Um, so like little things like that, where right. it's not, I'm trying to get away with from, okay, what exactly does the swing look like and more, okay, how can I make myself comfortable before the swing, during the swing, and then finishing the swing. Mm. And I feel as I'm more comfortable in all those aspects, the mechanics will, will follow. Cause I, mm. and I, I do feel like I have a, a pretty, like pretty solid, like not too unorthodox golf swing that I, I don't need to worry about some of the minor mechanical details, but it's just all a matter of how comfortable I feel. Yeah. So I, I would, to me, I think that would be my biggest piece of advice for people coming, like oh, asking how to practice. And it's just like anything you do, whether you're hitting flip wedges, full irons, going after driver, or even just rolling putts, what can you do to make yourself comfortable? Because I think that's the, the number one golf swing killer is being uncomfortable, whether that's being too tentative, mm -hmm. too rigid, trying to guide the golf ball, whatever you want to call it. Mm. I think the, the ones that are the players that can really perform the best are the ones that are the most comfortable with their game, which is something that I think you do as well as anyone that I play with for sure. Like I just, I know, just, I know some of the little things you do with your swing and you can kind of talk to it, but and it's just, as I watch you kind of everything you do around your swing is all geared to like making sure you're comfortable before you, you pull the trigger. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I appreciate it, man. That means a lot that, cause that is something that I, I try to work on. I think it is a, there is times where we've seen it identified as, as more of a curse than a blessing when you're, cause there's only so much that I can, I can get advice on when I'm just, you know, when I have the, the wedge yips and I just feel like I can't make good contact. It's, it's a little more difficult and it takes some, some time, but I, I love that. I think, you know, going a little, uh, you know, Brene Brown on self-help and, and talk about feelings. Cause that's super important, man. You got to feel good. And I think there's, I mean, obviously a ton to unpack there, but I think that's a great takeaway and great advice is just try to get comfortable. And, you know, I think it's just, you know, we try and, you know, make, you know, especially if you know, someone's like recording your swing, like I hate those because 
it's like you're focusing more on like, okay, try to make this, make a good golf swing, not a good golf shot. And those two are very different and you will get very different uh, outcomes. Well, I think if you're not focusing on your golf swing, you're, you know, the, the result's not going to be great. But I just feel like when I'm focusing on trying to hit a golf shot and, and it's just the, the results are, are crazy rather than trying to make it look good or try to manufacture an Adam Scott-like golf swing. And, you know, yeah, there's little things that I do. Like when I see my swing record, I'm like, oh, that's, that's not good, dude. Like that is just not good. And my stupid, you know, pitter patter, my feet, just trying to get comfortable, trying to stay loose you know, my little trigger that I have, but it's just, yeah, it's what makes me feel good and, and comfortable and ready to swing. So anyway, I, I appreciate that, man. I was completely off topic, but I do think that there's just a lot of value in that. And especially now as, you know, warmer weather is going to start to come and then, Hey, daylight savings is going to come. We might get a little bit more time, but there's still is, you know, it's still, still pretty precious. Um, Cause I think, and one, one last question, I would just say like, do you think from all of that, do you think you can find more value in, you know, if you have a couple hours, you're by yourself, the golf course is fairly dead. So it's like, do you, do you think you can find more value in playing 18 holes, like almost trying to simulate tournament conditions, like really try and score? Or do you find, do you think it'd be more value to play nine holes, hit the range either before or after and, and kind of work on some things? Cause that's something that selfishly I've, I've ran into that situation at times. And I'm like, what? what's more valuable. Um, and again, there's just so much to unpack here and, and so much more that I would say that I feel like is, is valuable. And especially this, this last year that I experienced with, um, shout out to, to golf blueprint. Cause there's, there's just, their stuff is so good and it helps you be so intentional on your range sessions, um, and intentional about practice. And that was really big for me of like, I was very intentional about going to the golf course being there for 45 minutes practicing and going home. Like even if someone wanted to play or if I saw the first tee wide open, like I'm like, Nope, this is a practice day. I finished my practice. I feel good. I'm going home. Um, so anyway, long way to just say like, what, what would you say do you think is, is more valuable out of those two? Cause it, yeah, I want to hear your, your thought on that. Uh, my response would be first identify the area in your game that you're wanting to work on in that practice session. And I would say if it's anything short game related, so a hundred yards and in, it doesn't have to be just putting, chipping, half wedges. Mm -hmm. If it's just a hundred yards and in that you want to practice, 100% go play the golf course because that's going to be your best simulation. It's too hard to simulate that stuff on a putting green or a driving range. Just if you play 18 holes, you're going to have at least 18 opportunities to practice short game in varying degrees yeah. right, on different holes. So I, I'd yeah. say that um, if you're wanting to practice driver swings or really like more kind of the longer clubs in the bag, at that point, I'd start to think about doing more of the nine hole and then hitting the range route yeah and then if you if you really if you only had an hour and it was a choice between um a few holes or a bucket or ball a bucket of balls i, I would say like if there's kind of anything that you're, you're trying to work on at that given point I, I would maybe just hit the range you could focus on that and hit it hard for yeah. a nice 30 or 40 minutes it would 
would be uh, my suggestion because that's yeah I mean I, I think it's a great question because that's something that I found myself facing a lot last year just having a little less availability oftentimes getting to the course and finding like oh the first tee's open I'll play a hole and a half and then just run into literally the entire southern half of the Salt Lake Valley on the golf course right so that point where it's like if I'm I'm just sitting here waiting five minutes to make a swing each time. And I only have an hour and a half before I have to go home. Yep. Maybe I should just got to grab a bucket of balls and get the swings up. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah, no, I like that. And, and again, that just shows how personalized this golf game is and how personalized each situation is. And it's not all created equal. It's not all linear. And so I think that that's, that's important to just, I think we've identified a couple of things that could be helpful for, for people. Cause again, it's probably more fair for you to say you might have an hour and a half. So it's like, yeah, can I go, you know, should I just go play a few holes at, at Southie? Cause you have that option. Cause you're, you know, you work there and you can just go play a few rather than, okay, let me go drop 30 bucks or 28 bucks to go play a few holes rather than, okay, let me just spend 10 and just really work on some stuff. So it is all different, but I, I do think it is important to have a goal and a purpose. Like, identify that prior. Cause if you, you know, how many times have we gone to the range? You just, you know, you try and do the tiger approach, right. Where you'll you hit a few 50 yard shots and then you'll work your way up. And then it's just like, well, what really, what good did that do? At least for me, that never did me any good. I would walk away with, well, I hit some good ones, hit some terrible ones. All right, cool. Like it just, I don't know, wasn't super valuable. So I, and I would recommend again, the golf blueprint thing is, it's amazing stuff. It was really, I think there was a, there was a time there where I had a stride with it, that it was at probably the best I've ever played. And cause it does a really good job of identifying and just some really cool games that you can play with yourself that are super easy. They're, they're even timed or have like a limit of 10 balls and you track how many of those 10 did you hit in this grid that you made? And I don't know, it's super interesting and, and really enjoyable. And I had a little, a little journal with me and I would just make notes when I had a good swing thought with like a driver swing. I remember like the, the Henrik Stenson is one of the, the workouts or one of the games that you play. And, you know, we all know him and his three wood. So it's focusing on your three wood. And there was a couple of things that I still go back to that when I'm struggling or when I'm like, what were some of the really good thoughts that I had with my three wood? And they're all written there in the journal. And it's like, wow, this is super helpful. So anyway, that's something that I would personally recommend as well. It's just identifying some goals and then, yeah, figuring out what makes you most comfortable because that's what you can rely on come pressure. If it's for five bucks to win the wolf game with your buddies or to qualify for a, a tournament, you know, that's, that's super valuable. So anyway, Thanks, man. That's super helpful. And we will definitely come back to this because there's a lot, there's a lot to it and a lot more um, advice. And I think it will, you know, kind of the seasonality of that changes as especially for, for you. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll return a report on some of those things, but uh, anyway, that's, uh, that's helpful, man. So let's, uh, you want to kind of recap the, the tournament today? That was, I will just say that was very enjoyable a lot of a lot of fun i'd love to watch the best players in the world struggle a little bit and hit bunker shots that i've hit before and you know totally pulled or miscalculated the win you know so it was i don't know we'll unpack it, but that was that was super enjoyable so take us to, to bay hill 
Yeah, if you're if you're a fan of Carnage, I'd say the the last two days at Bay Hill, there were plenty of Carnage. I I think the scoring average, both days, flirted around like seventy six, four over. Like there were pros that were up in the eighties. So it was kind of a a, a change than what you normally see. Yeah, not a birdie day tour. Yeah. No, no, really. Really, uh, kind of a grind fest. Uh, yes, I think after 36 holes, Victor Hovland he got it to to nine under. You're kind of thinking like, oh, maybe double digits going to win the tournament. And then Saturday, Sunday hit, and I think combination of, of a couple different factors. So the air there dried up, dried out, so it was less humid. So that baked the course out a little more. Plus, it got hotter. So I think that helped baked the course out as well and then they always for whatever reason that course they really like to grow the rough thick and it was in fine form this year so if you were thick with two c's yeah if you were not on if you're not on the short stuff you were not able to actually see the golf ball at all so that that always makes it hard and then the greens were it was my favorite part of the challenge was the greens were firm and fast and so that's, I mean, to me personally, that's why, or that, that's kind of the tough aspect of a golf course that I, I like watching. Mm-hmm. I, I don't love the thick rough so much because sometimes I feel like it makes recovery shots impossible, right? Because if the ball, if you can't see the golf ball, you can't actually make a swing, right? It's just a punch out. And so, I mean, a perfect example to me is on, hole number 18 at Bay Hill, right? Where I'm trying to paint the picture if anyone's not familiar, but it's a pretty straight tee shot, narrow fairway, just thick as can be rough on either side, especially the right side. And then there's a huge body of water that, that guards a green that kind of wraps around the pond. So if you're, if you're on the right side of the fairway or if you miss the fairway right, you have to go over water to hit the green. And it's a really skinny upside down L shaped green. I'm trying to think of my letters here, but upside down L really narrow. And then it over the green is just nothing but bunkers. And so my point of like the thick rough, if you hit it in the rough on the right side of hole 18, you have literally no chance of hitting the green just because the green is too narrow and the rough is too thick, it's impossible to hit the green. So all the guys do, if they miss it right, take two extra clubs and either try to blast it into the grandstands or just accept hitting it into the bunker. And then at that point, you've got a green that runs completely away from you, water, all sorts of trouble. And so that's kind of where I am on the thick rough is like, I really like firm and fast greens but the thick rough kind of takes away i think some of the intrigue a little bit because it's just like all right well everyone has to hit the same just like punch out kind of shot so i think there's kind of other ways it could it could challenge the players but sort of aside from the thick rough i i thought the challenge was was really entertaining the wind picked up um and i mean lo and behold Scotty Scheffler pulling out his second win in three starts. Yeah, man. He's got a, I think his last three starts are a two wins and a top 10, 
all in fairly elevated fields. So he's uh, on a pretty nice streak. And he, I, best way to describe it, he kind of, he held on the best. He had the, the low round of the day yesterday. I think he started, he started yesterday, nine shots back. I think he started even and mm-hmm. shot four or five down yesterday to launch up the leaderboard. And then um, today able to just play super steady golf. I think the key kind of key hole for him was it was hole 15. He missed his tee shot dead left, terrible lie. It was behind a tree. He tried to kind of hit the hero shot, hook it around the tree. Um, and I don't know if you saw the slow-mo on that, but he hit it. Like he almost missed the ball. Yeah, it was not, not great contact there about missed the ball. So it only went 20 yards. So he's still in thick rough hits them. Honestly, an incredible recovery shot lands it in about the only spot that he could land it short of the green hops up to about pin high 20 feet, slick little putt. And he, he jars it for par. Um, I think that was really what kind of, cause that kept him at five under. So that really uh, kept him in a pretty strong position. And then Got to 18, uh, missed it, missed it left, found a way to kind of hit the front left part of the green and then not an easy two putt. Oh, that lag putt was incredible. <laughs> Lagged it up and then, yeah, that was, uh, that was enough to, to get the W and, uh, yeah, super, super entertaining. Just like you said, watching the guys kind of struggle a little bit and it felt you know, it just felt like a little bit more of a, an elevated event, just a, a stronger field with some pretty tough conditions. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, it's something that I, I would be interested in seeing more of on a week to week basis on tour. Yeah. I, I, yeah, totally agree. And that was, and you picked, you picked him, right? Twice. Yeah. It's the second, second time I've picked him for Incredible. a win. So. Jeez. I need to throw some real cash into this man. <laughs> a little side hustle uh yeah it was it really was really entertaining like and just to see he kind of yeah same thing that he did in phoenix he just kind of low-key just kind of hung around wasn't really a thought too much on on saturday and then into sunday and it's like man he just he's just a he's just a grinder um and just to kind of see the difference with some of the other players like when gary woodland eagled uh sick was it 16 i think yeah that's 16 the par five yeah Yeah. and then he doubled 17 and bogey 18 it was like oh that was that was a tough scene um because for a second i mean he took the lead with that eagle and then yeah to come up with that that'd be pretty pretty disappointing but uh still still good to see him up top of the leaderboard which is we haven't really seen him since his u.s open at pebble so yeah i think think he's been dealing with injuries and stuff so it's good to see him back yeah for sure. Cause I really like him. You KU guy love KU. So it, yeah, he's really cool to, to see. And he's kind of changed the putter. And I know he's always kind of talked about that, that, you know, for a while there, he just, he, he's been told by a couple putting coaches that they're just like, yeah, you just, you can't putt, man. <laughs> so I found that like really insightful and can relate to that. She's fat. <laughs> so uh, love that. And, and, and also like Victor Hovland, man, like that was, it just seemed like, it seemed like every time I saw that dude, he was in an impossible bunker shot. Like he was in a down slope, everything sloping away, just hitting these, you know, just again, impossible positions. And I think he was like, like three for 13 for bunker saves. Yeah. I mean, he's statistically, he's not a good bunker player, but to your point, he just is in some no win situations and impossible spots. Like, 
so yeah that was just like it was almost like i felt exhausted just watching it so i can only imagine how he's feeling um and but also at the same time like with his ball striking when he kept in the fair it was he was at the top i think it was saying he was he was ranked first um in approach shots from like 185 to 200 yards and he was hitting it like within 18 or 15 feet or something like that which is which is incredible but that just shows like how you know when he is off like to your point the long rough just just no chance they just have to hack it out and and there was a couple times where he was in the fairway that he just he looked shocked that he would like totally hook one or just fly the green and so yeah anyway really entertaining and uh I mean, it was really hard. And, you know, if we had that on week to week, I don't think the, the players would be too happy, but it does uh, make for, for a little bit more, you know, entertainment on our end. Just can't relate to shooting 24 down over four rounds. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Rory had kind of interesting comments on that uh, this weekend. So he, he was one that he started off, he was leading after round one. And then round one, just, as the course got tougher, he really faded. Yeah. Um, and they were, I think it was today they were talking to him about sort of the tough conditions and he mentioned that um, it's a re- potentially a reason why some of the kind of other top guys stay away from this tournament because it's it's the week before the players which mm-hmm. is one of the biggest events of the year and then traditionally at least the last five to ten years it's just been kind of Bay Hills thing where they make the weekend play really hard. Mm-hmm. And so Roy was kind of talking about how guys might like avoid like avoiding getting kicked in the teeth kind yeah. of the week before yeah. the players championship. Um, so I thought that was an interesting, interesting comment kind of as you were talking about how the players might not like it. It's like obviously going to be a fine line with, with setups and whatnot to, mm-hmm. you don't want to, to piss off your players but at the same time, you don't just want another kind of routine birdie fest as well. So interesting combination that I think we can get into more kind of in future episodes because it's a a good topic. Yeah. Cause it is like, you know, to put myself in their shoes, it is like knowing the stretch of golf that they have coming up. Like this is really where, you know, some really important golf starts to get played on a, on a monthly basis. And yeah, I don't know if I would want to, cause I, I don't know, again, just watching, I know what it's like, you know, you're playing in the wind, like just the wind itself physically, it does, it takes it out of you. And, you know, to be absolutely kicked in the face with that for, for the last two days, thinking those, like my picks, I really don't want to pick anyone <laughs> for the players that, that, you know, at least did well or, or, or fought through on, on the weekend. Cause I don't know, at least in my mind, I would, I would be exhausted. So I don't know. And I would, yeah, and I, I mean, I, I get the frustration because I, I think a lot of the frustration comes off of tee shots, right? Where you feel like you hit a really good sure. tee shot, mm-hmm. you miss the fairway by five feet, and then you can't see your golf ball. Yep. So I would I would hope that's where most of the frustration was. For sure. I, I'd hope it, it wasn't so much greens related, but I mean, you never know. But I guess it was mentioning a little earlier, like I love the challenge being around the greens and i think you can make a golf course challenging without having to just default to right thick thick grow the rough up yeah right so i have to be like wing foot every week yeah and it was just interesting even the color of the greens man you can just tell like man these things are baked they were were crusty (laughs) 
So I can, I can relate to that. Bloomington's are looking pretty similar and you get some downwind downhill putts. Good luck. Just pick up a bye ball. Just pick it up. So uh, anyway, yeah, good stuff. And kind of leading into that for, for the players, um, kind of a quick preview on that. What are your, what are your thoughts on, on that? And are you excited? Are you kind of like whatever about it? You know, what, what are your thoughts on, on the, the PGA tours kind of, you know, monument event, you know, what are your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, it might be a little bit of a hot take, but it's not my favorite event by any stretch of the imagination. It's, mm-hmm. it's not my favorite course that they play. Um, but I do think my kind of perception of it could change a little bit. If, if the greens at Sawgrass played like they did at Bay Hill this past week, I think it would make for really fun viewing because at that point, then I, I think you get to take advantage of a more of a, a peat die course, right? Where there's around a lot of the greens, there's a lot of runoff areas, a lot mm-hmm. of collection at points that just a lot of times you just don't see utilized when they have the greens as soft as they have had right. them in the past where it just turns in more of a, a dart throwing yeah. competition. Um, and I mean, kind of um, like further than that, it's like, it's, I don't know. It's just, it's never, to me, it's just never been like my favorite event, right? Cause like, it, it's not typically super hard, like conditions wise, um, which is crazy, right? Because you think this would be a super entertaining event because I think like this week, for example, 47 of the top 50 players yeah. in the world are playing. Mm-hmm. So kind of everything about it sets up to like, yes, this should be really entertaining. And then it has 17, which is the most favorite famous hole in all of golf, at least professional golf, mm-hmm. as far as tournament play. So there's a lot of that going for it. And it's like, man, why, why isn't this event more entertaining for me? And I, I think a lot of times it just comes back to the way the course is set up, I just, I, I think it would be a lot more fun if it, if it played firm, right? Cause I think a lot more of Pete Dye's sort of design genius or cruelty, whatever word you oh, want to use, for sure. <laughs> uh, will come into play if they just kind of firmed up the course a little bit. And I, I know a lot of times it's out of con- their control because and it, this event's gone back and forth between March and May. And like sometimes yeah. in March, it's been too cold and you can't get the course in the shape you want to be. But then by May, it's too hot anyways, and it's humid. So it's always going to play soft. So it's always kind of coming a weird part of the year. And so there's like weather sort of out of their control as well. But I don't know. I, I'm, I'm more hopeful. I think like last year, I think was a, it was a little more fun than, and in years past, right, JT made that charge and, and the back nine does kind of set up well where you can make birdies and eagles, which usually makes for a fun watch. So I, I don't know. I, I think historically it hasn't been my favorite event, but I'm trying to kind of shift how I think about it. And the other hard thing, too, is it's an NBC event. And I, man, NBC's coverage is just not my favorite. Can't wait for our, our favorite guy, Mr. <sighs> Sir Nick, what he's going to give us. And yeah, I agreed, agreed there. And I think I net out generally the same. Like I will say that I do, I, I do like the finish. Like I would love to tune in 
from maybe even starting on 13, because that's really, I don't really know a ton of holes on the front, to be completely honest. Uh, but I, I will say like, you know, tuning into to the final stretch, you know, if it, you know, hopefully there's some, you know, some guys that I like that are competing. Uh, but I do like the finish. 16 is, is an awesome par five, obviously 17 and then 18. Just because for me, I just, I could not hit that tee shot. I, I couldn't do it. There would be, I, there's no chance that that ball is not, uh, it's, it'd, and it would just be pretty much a read tee situation for me. So I'd just be there all day. I'd just run out of balls, but I just, I love to put myself in that situation. And then it's just cool to see guys hit, hit shots. And especially because for both, like if you're like me and you kind of work the ball right to left, like how far right are you willing to go? uh and like and to pull off like what jt did last year like that was such a cool shot like that little low hook thing and that took some some uh that was very brave of him to to take to take on that shot right to left and then you know we've seen some of those where mcroy's set up for this big big fade and he's aimed right at the water and so i can you know just a lot of respect there so i do enjoy those three holes like i think they're really good holes really good finishing holes um but yeah other than that it's kind of just like you know, these guys are just so good that any of these, you know, to try and have these collection areas and make for some tight lies for some up and downs, it just doesn't happen very often because they're just throwing darts into these soft receptive greens and, and having good looks, which just shows how good they are. But anyway, because for me, I would probably get my butt whooped by that golf course, but for them, they're just, yeah, they're too good. And when it's soft, it doesn't, it does not matter. Like the guys will just tear it up. So I'm kind of with you, but I, you know, it's, it's this all overly hyped and I just, man, those stupid commercials, man, on the golf channel with the 17 green, I just, it's a, it's a tough scene. So anyway, excited for it. Like, it'll be good. And I hope, you know, I just have some good guys and players that I like that are, are competing come Sunday afternoon, but that's kind of where I net out. So um, anyway, Yeah, let's let's do picks, man. Let's take our picks for for the players and shout out to you for the for the for the dub this week. So go ahead and go with your first pick. Yeah, this this one might be the most fun to pick all year, just because uh, all the top players in the world are playing. Oh. Uh, first pick for me, as always, he's going to be there. I'm going to take Rory, I'm my yeah, favorite player, and thought he played well for for chunks of this week and maybe he was just saving his energy for uh for the bigger events Better just let, letting everyone know he was there after round one this week and yeah. uh and just putting it on the afterburners saving himself for this week i like it well then i guess i'll go with my uh my penciled in pick too of of mr mr homa <laughs> hey hole in one this week his first one on tour that shout was, out, that was just fantastic shout out to him just <laughs> so awesome just just paying for everybody's drinks just just what a g <laughs> Classic the match guy. there. All right. Second pick for me. I'm going to go Colin Morikawa. I think one of the best ball strikers on planet Earth. And Incredible. I think Sawgrass puts a premium on ball striking. So I think he could do well. Solid. Uh, I'm going to go with Xander. Uh, similar. The guy's just yep, solid. Is. He's always there. So I'm going with Xander. Right. Next for me, I'm going to go with the defending champ. I Hoping that uh, he can relive some of that magic, especially uh, just bring back that low running hook he perfected on on some of those holes. That was fun to watch on TV. 
Oh, loved it. And, you know, he's got some good vibes after that. I don't know. It, that, that video he put out was, I love the song. You know, sh- shout out, you know, Jack Harlow, Nail Tech, love the song. A little, may have been a little cheesy, but I, you know, maybe that gives him some good vibes. I don't know. Bringing in Coach Saban, I don't know. Anyway, I'll, I'll save my take, but good, good choice on the song for fellow Kentucky guy. Um, I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go with easy number one in the world, man. He's still available. So I'll pick him. I'll go with Mr. John Rom. At some point, the putting has to click for him. Yeah. I think he's got a new putter out. I think this last week it was the first time he's at Arnold Palmer and I, it just, it looked a little, it looked a little different than the one he's been using. So, um, you know, sometimes I know for me, that's just sometimes what I need changing up that, that new look, new mojo and get it rolling. You did see the missed 10 inch putt though, right? I saw the screenshot of it. I didn't actually <laughs> see it, but uh, not good. As someone that has missed more than his fair share of those, I, <laughs> I was pumped. But uh, yeah, no, Look he's away. gonna find it. He's gonna find it. All right, final pick for me. Uh, he's probably burnt out from this past weekend, but I just he's playing so well right now, Victor Hovland. I just I love I love watching him play golf. He's seems like he's. He's got a very good attitude on the golf course. He hits the ball so well and just, I, and he's only 24 years old, which is just insane to me. Incredible. Incredible. Love it. Last pick. I, I wanted to do Matt Jones for the incredible Scotty throw right into the water, but I can't, I can't imagine that that translate very well to the next week. But uh, so I'm going to, I'm going to not pick him and I'm going to go with, uh, with, with Cam Smith. I think, the hair is going to be flowing. The stash is going to be there. He's a Florida guy. So uh, I'm going to, I'm going to go with him. Seems like a safe pick. My question between the bear trap, Bay Hill and sawgrass, there's a lot of water on those three golf courses. A lot of water. How many putters are in the bottom of the, the bodies of water at these courses? <laughs> Cause it's always the putter's fault. I try to tell my wife this all the time. It is, one hundred percent, the equipment's fault. One hundred percent. I mean, Mr. Jones said it the best, man. When he threw it, he's like, "I'm done with this thing," and <laughs> just helicoptered right in the water. So I'm, I'm sure I, I would, I would have to bring a backup putter if I would ever play that <laughs> that stretch of golf. If I don't want it. So good stuff. Um. Anyway, uh, so yeah, that's good. We're excited. You got the, you get taking them down and and see who gets oh, the so the dub this week. Yeah. It's been uh, it's been fun. I think more often than not, with the exception of Honda, uh, most uh, we've had a pick or two kind of at the top good. of the leaderboard for yeah. the last. You've five, had, six, had two dubs, which is picking the winner. That's uh, that's impressive. Good thing you don't live down here. Just a quick drive to Mesquite <laughs> or to Vegas. It's, uh, it can get cashing, easy, but yeah. you'd you'd be cashing out. But uh, anyway, let's uh, let's wrap it up. But as always, you know, rooms for for shout outs. I believe you have some. Uh, some news to share with the new new member of the family so uh yeah tell us about it yeah with that i just have to shout out to my wife sydney for coming to the superstore with me and and not being too disgruntled with me handing over the credit card and spending way too much (laughs) money on a on a brand new driver so i uh i'm the proud owner of a a new titleist tsi3 Breaking news, folks. I had no idea. What? I thought you were going with the, with the nasty red face. What happened? 
I don't even know, to be honest with you. Dude, I'm shook. I almost said another word, but, you know, realize this, uh, <laughs> this is being recorded, but, dude, incredible. Dude, yeah. tell me about it. So at the end of the day, it came down to really the, the, the stock shafts that came on each of the clubs. And uh, with the, uh, the Titleist, the stock shaft that you could get on it and the extra stiff was the, the lowest spinning, lowest launching shaft you can get. And so uh, I got myself an eight degree extra stiff TSI three. Dude, I am, oh, I'm over the moon. That is incredible. I'm so pumped. And it was funny because the same day Victor went and he went to Uena and switched out for the exact same shaft. Uh, But he obviously, he needs a 10 degree. He needs, uh, he needs some, some help with the, uh, with getting the the, the launch a little higher, but got the same shaft. So uh, that's, uh, that's, that's good stuff. And I, I mean, like you said, I was, I was pretty set on the stealth and that was, that was even the driver I hit when I went um, and hit it fine, came back to the, the shafts. And then I did, I mean, I put the Titleist and the stealth up next to each other and the stealth head really looks about half the size or the TSI head looks about half the size of the stealth. And so yeah. just looks a lot better. And, and the, it wasn't so much the red face on the stealth that was kind of throwing me. It was the face was textured, which they had to do because of the carbon or whatever they did. They had to throw like this protective layer on the face or something. And it was, it was weird. That is it, weird. Yeah. It, it wasn't it was, aware. Yeah. Uh, so that was different to me. Like I, said, I mean, I hit it fine, but in the end of the day, it kind of came back to what I was looking for in a shaft. And so it was either get the stealth, spend $600 on that and then have to spend another $400 to upgrade the, the shaft or just find the shaft that I was kind of looking for and, and get probably the most aesthetically pleasing looking 100%. driver. hundred percent. So You're gonna yeah, fantastic. I'm, I'm, I'm stoked. I'm just at this point, just waiting for the invite down South so I can bust down it. South. Hood Debbie. <laughs> <laughs> Come visit me. Oh man, that's awesome. <laughs> Shout out to Titleist for making the sexiest driver out there. We're reading free ads per usual. Uh, that's awesome, man. That's a, a great shout out and one I'm I'm pumped. I am pumped to see that in action. Good stuff. Well, uh, my my shout out is nothing near as exciting because I, I did not do that. Um, no no new members of the fam, but have to shout out. Uh, you know, Jin. Jin Young Ko, because I I I want to make an effort to get more into into women's golf, for a number of reasons. Uh, but uh, shout out to her. She won. She so she won. She won today the HSBC Women's Championship. I can't remember the name of it, but she won it today with with a solid round, um, like seven birdies. And that's actually her. She's won the last six out of ten starts, which is incredible. She also has a stat. Um, she has 15 straight rounds in the sixties, which is, uh, a record. And then another record of 30 subpar rounds in a row consecutively, which is again, incredible. So wasn't, wasn't she the same one that had some like greens and regulation stat yeah. or something too? Yeah. Right? I can't remember the stat, but exactly. Yeah. And, and it's kind of funny. Cause it's like, you know, when you hear kind of buzz around women's golf, it is kind of like a joke of, you know, what the, these records that, that Jing and co has. So, Got to sh- shout out to that. 
um, just incredibly impressive. And again, want to make an effort to, to get a little bit more aware and into the ins and outs of, of women's golf. Cause I just feel like it, it truly feels to me like a, like a hidden gem. And yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of value there and a lot of inside and, you know, especially for, for the little one. So, um, anyway, so that, that's my shout out. You know, I wish, I wish I could say I had a new driver though. I am in the market for some irons. So I'm, I'm hopeful to return and report on some, some exciting things there, but. Well, yeah, one, just to follow up too on, yeah, you got me looking up Jing Young Kostats, another one. She's lost to a total of 11 players in her last eight starts. So that's unbelievable. That's pretty awesome. It, yeah. It's, it's utter dominance, honestly. Yeah. So just in, incredible. And again, just a lot of value there and, and excited. And especially, you know, every year they have the, it's not the Symmetra tour anymore. I'm blanking on the, on the end of, end of april right down in st yeah. george yeah down in st george so they have an event at, at copper rock and again i just feel like that's such a good introduction for for the game because it's just yeah they're, they're they're smaller they can get more interaction with the players and the fans and uh, anyway i just think it's uh, uh some good stuff there so i think that's uh that's good as, as always just uh, an absolute pleasure sean and and looking forward to, to doing this some more and hopefully we'll we'll see you very soon and get some we're gonna we got to get that documented that first inaugural swing with with that beautiful tsi3 let's put it this way the weekend bag is always packed it's it's ready to go stack <laughs> don't sell oh, i love it man all right well, anything else or is that good for, for tonight i think i think we're good tonight but uh thanks thanks as always talk to everybody soon pleasure keep striving peace <laughs>